This is Driven by Data, the podcast. Welcome back to another episode of Driven by Data, the podcast, season two, powered by Orbition Group and hosted by me, Kyle Winterbottom. We're delighted to bring you another season of Driven by Data, the podcast, which boasts even more data analytics and AI thought leaders from across the globe. Our aim remains the same to uncover how some of the most prominent leaders within the data analytics community tackle our industry's most trending topics, told in order to share knowledge, ideas, and experience. And just as in season one, to give back to the global data and analytics community. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode. Welcome to Driven by Data, the podcast, season two. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Jason Fairchild, who is the co-founder and CEO at TV Scientific. So Jason, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, thanks for having me. Delighted to uh, delighted to be here and to have a talk shop with you. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm looking forward to unpacking all of this, Jason. I guess where we always start is by asking our guests to give themselves a brief introduction into their background and, and journey to date. Because despite my best efforts, I'd uh, you know I'd never do that justice. So if uh, if you'd be so kind. Yeah, I've been around for a while in digital advertising um, for for twenty something years. I would say. Um, the first Im- sort of important stop was uh, was an early team member at a company called GoTo.com, um, which was renamed Overture and ultimately bought by Yahoo. But what GoTo.com did was invented uh, the paid search business model. Um, so, in you know, we were pre-revenue back then, and the and believe it or not, there was a time back in the day where the idea of putting advertisements in uh, traditionally editorial uh, search results was pretty. Uh, revolutionary and and generated a lot of controversy anyway we uh, we we succeeded obviously and and uh and pioneered a brand new category that is paid search um did that for five or six years i uh, did a stop at a behavioral uh technology company and then co-founded uh openx which uh pioneered the programmatic advertising category including derivatives like you know header bidding and so forth so did that for uh, 12 years uh and towards the end of that, I started researching Connected TV uh, and also had a board seat on a TV data company and saw some pretty interesting trends happening, um, even pre-COVID, in terms of user adoption of streaming services. And more importantly, the underlying technologies in Connected TV that could, in theory, um, make TV more like digital from a lot of points of view, measurement uh, in particular. So started uh, start, started TV Scientific. Um, and, and really uh, connecting the dots all the way back to paid search, um, you know, one of the catalysts for TV Scientific was I went back uh, and talked to the founder of, of GoTo.com, uh, Bill Gross, and said, hey, what do you think of this idea? The way I see it is if we could do the same thing we did for paid search, which is enable millions of advertisers to easily and quickly advertise and deliver self-evident measurement, uh, it could be a huge opportunity. And he immediately grasped it and said, you have to do this and invested. And he's a co-founder uh, in TV scientific as well. So I think that brings us up to current day, which is, um, which is, you know, driving, driving the growth of TV scientific. Nice. Nice. So give us 
a little bit of insight into kind of TV scientific. Obviously, I know you've touched upon there the the kind of journey which led you to that point. But tell us kind of who you are, what you're doing, who you're doing it with, who you're doing it for, etc. Yep. So TV Scientific is the first sort of performance platform for connected TV, uh, and very much modeled after self uh, after uh, GoTo.com or paid search. It kind of think about it like a Google console uh, or even a Facebook console, where a marketer can uh, quickly set up and execute a campaign leveraging really sophisticated targeting techn- digital targeting technologies of uh, you know third-party data you know demographic targeting you, you name it you can you can target it uh, and also target you know 95% of the of the ad supported streaming apps in the market uh, set up a campaign set a budget push go uh, all within 10 minutes importantly on the reporting side we are the first platform that connects the dots between ad exposure on a connected TV and outcome, where an outcome is a website visit, a purchase, a download a installation of an app, um, or a full ROAS. Um, and we do that on a one-to-one deterministic basis with no panels. Um, and this is a function of all the sort of technology that's evolved within connected TVs, which of course sit on the internet, uh, and allow for, if you do it correctly, uh, this connecting of the dots between ad exposure and outcome. Uh, And we do that on a self-serve basis, just like Google or Facebook. And then we also have managed service teams that work with advertisers to execute it if they don't want to manage their own own campaigns. And by the way, that's exactly how uh, paid search started and exactly how Facebook started, um, where you offer a managed service, but also if marketers want to take it in-house themselves and control it with full transparency into what's happening, they can do that as well. So that's what we do. Interesting. Really interesting. Okay, fine. And I guess, obviously, as the co-founder, uh, you're driving the ship. What, what, what's your role? Where you sit in? What you what you're trying to what you're trying to get to? I guess. Yeah. So, in any CEO, I mean, it really comes down to a few things. You know, one is being crystal clear about the strategy. Um, uh, two is uh, uh, hiring and attracting the right team because uh, you can't do anything yourself. Uh, and and three, it's you making sure the company is properly funded. So um, those are the three things in my mind are a CEO is responsible for. And those are those are my areas of responsibility. And then in early stage startups, usually uh, a CEO will take on, you know, one area of functional responsibility. I straddle between sort of market facing uh, discussions with either, you know, PR, uh, you know, media outlets and or customers. And then, and I'm pretty deeply involved in product as well. Right. Right. So I guess take us back then, because that journey is certainly a fascinating one. And it, it always intrigues me when you get stories like this, that, you know, it's like a, a replication of something that's done before. It's just in a, in a new age, in a new world, right? Just, just we've got more tools, we've got more access to X, Y, and Z and, and so on and so forth. So talk us through how the digital advertising space in general has, has evolved and grown since, you know, you got into the, the industry? So, so I think, you know, it started um, digital advertising on the internet started with banner ads uh, and banner ads, if you think about it, are modeled very much after linear television uh, where, um, or billboards, it's sort of a combination of those two things yep. uh, where the primary, you know, the primary metric for an advertiser is, reach and frequency against a target audience. Uh, and because in the early days, you could you had an ability to do a bit more targeting on demographic, for example. But largely, if you bought banner ads from Yahoo, uh, they would tell you what the average demographic was 
uh, for Yahoo. And then if you wanted, you know, if you wanted to skew towards mail, for example, you'd buy sport, Yahoo Sports. Um, so that's the early days of, of, of internet advertising. And I think the first revolution came really with paid search, where instead of a reach and frequency metric um, on the internet, um, it became about uh, outcomes. Um, so you could target very effectively against an audience that's looking for a product or service and uh, pay only when someone clicked. And then that also gave the marketer an ability to measure return on ad spend um, and drive sales. And that happened really, really quickly. And I think it, you know, it set the tone for sort of performance-driven uh, digital advertising um, that uh, that's one dimension. The other dimension is sort of marketplaces. So where a marketer could join a marketplace, buy traffic, um, and measure it really effectively. So I think that was the big first revolution of, of, of internet advertising. Yeah. And yeah. it changed, and if you think about it in the abstract, it changed it from reach and, reach and frequency to results as the focus. Yeah. Yeah. Now that's, uh, that's interesting. I guess taking that concept and kind of evolution then as it were, the the business model of TV scientific and the problem it's solving. And, and I guess, you know, that's the, that's the way that the data world in general is now looking at things, right? It's all about what, what's the outcome, the, the kind of how we get there is, you know, yes, there's multiple avenues to go down. There's multiple channels to get our products in front of the right people, but ultimately we're, all we're really bothered about is, is the outcome. I guess, where does your business fit into that, you know, from, from that journey's perspective? Well, we we are all about performance, uh, where performance is an outcome, uh, a website visit, a sale, a download installation and, and activation, or full ROAS. And related to that, we are, you know, the TV industry's a $72 billion industry. Um, and it's uh, about 80% of that is concentrated to the top three to 500 advertisers. Um, and these are the guys like, you know, Ford and Pepsi that, that really care about broad reach and frequency. And uh, in short, we don't, we're not targeting those guys um, because they, there's a whole industrial complex around buying traditional TV that is not outcome-based. And that's just not our focus at all. What we are focused on is a much larger market, the 150 to $170 billion digital performance advertiser market. Um, and think of these as sort of the, the, you know, the Google and the Facebook advertisers of uh, the digital first performance oriented market, which is again, much larger than traditional TV. That's our focus because we speak in digital language. Like I don't come from TV I, other than, you know, other than day parting and a couple other words that we borrow from linear TV. None of us un understand how linear TV is done. We all come from digital. So our platform speaks a digital first language that's oriented towards performance marketers, specifically Google or Facebook type marketers. And if you look at our interface, it's very much, uh, it's, it's actually easier than, than, than either one of those platforms, but it's all digital first and it's all performance oriented. So that's our target market. And, and, and if you think about it, you know, we, we want to be the first platform that enables the 9 million advertisers to move to TV to effectively, you know, reach and drive, uh, reach consumers and drive outcomes mm. uh, in a very measurable way. Yeah, no, that's, uh, I mean, that's a, a really cool journey to be on, right? To crack that space for sure. How, how was, because you talked there about obviously not, 
you know, you're not a, you're not a TV guy, you're not a TV brand, you're not a TV company, you know, it's digital first and, and that all makes perfect sense. But I guess there's obviously some correlation here, right? Because the, the streams yep. that we watch on is all, is all TV based, I guess. So how has that kind of TV advertising space specifically evolved, you know, over time? I know that when we spoke originally offline, you kind of talked about this, you know, two very distinct eras of time, you know, that, that we lived in and, and we're living in on going to live in, if that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, if you go, I would say, you know, the first era of TV probably is the 1950s through really just the last couple of years. Um, and that's, uh, it's dominated by uh, really reach and frequency type advertising um, against sort of uh, indexed audiences where the index itself is dominated by, you know, one company, Nielsen, and their technology is pretty old fashioned. If you think about it, I mean, they had 15, call it 15,000 households in their Nielsen panel. Um, and that dictated the $70 billion industry around, you know, if I'm Ford and I want to reach, you know, males of a certain age, because I want to sell them a pickup truck, um, I'm going to rely on Nielsen to tell me which programs to buy that index against uh, a, a highly male audience. And that was the way of the world. And if you think about it, it's crude, right? It's it's <laughs> it's fifteen thousand households dictating uh, dict- dictating really spends across uh, hundred million plus households. So um, so that's era one, and 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 it and it worked, right? It's high impact. It it you know for those three to five hundred national advertisers, it really worked in terms of driving awareness. Like TV is unique in that in that regard. Unlike you know a Facebook ad, TV. Is unique as a unique form factor that you know combines sight, sound, motion to create emotion around a message, and for that reason, the recall is astonishing. I mean, uh, Morris the cat has a ninety percent recall um, forty years after its last aired commercial. Example after example like that, and uh, so so it's a highly effective medium except for the actual measurement. So. That brings us to the second era of TV, which is that same sight, sound, motion, connecting to an emotion, uh, but now measurable. A marketer can, instead of just relying on some obscure, honestly, blunt instrument measurement panel, everything is now much more granular. You can, for example, um, you can target um, demographics based on, you know, Experian or, or TransUnion, you know, data at the household level. You can target auto intenders. You can, if you're Ford and you want to reach, uh, you want to reach truck owners, you can target male or female by age, by income, by geography, but you can also upload your entire uh, previous ownership list of, let's say, previous Ford pickup truck owners and map that to households and deliver ads just to those households. So, and then measure did that did the user once they saw that ad pick up, uh, you know, pick up their phone and go to a website? Did they go to a dealer? Did they scan a QR code? Like you can measure the outcome on a one to one basis, really with no panels whatsoever. And that's I think the big change in this era versus the previous era is the ability to measure uh, just like you do digital ads, ad exposure to an outcome. Um, Interestingly, though, since you can't click on the TV, the outcome is going to come from some second screen like a phone or a, a laptop or, uh, or a tablet um, where you're literally watching the Ford ad and you're picking up your phone or tablet and typing in 
uh, typing in a, you know, the Ford search or whatever it is and going to a website and the ability to track that user journey all the way from ad exposure to outcome has never been possible before, but now it is. Yeah. That's fascinating because I guess we, you know, we speak a lot in the world of data around, you know, personalization and getting to that one-to-one measurement piece, right. And trying to make everything as targeted and personal as possible. And that drives results and, and value and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, um, which makes perfect sense. So I guess summarizing that you're talking about, you know, back in the day, up until a relatively recent period of time, it was, we've got some information, here's the demographic we're going to go after. And this, you know, that goes out on TV, that's it. Whereas now it's a case of you can, based on connected TV, through streaming, you can you you can pinpoint it to specific households. So, not everyone's seen the same TV ads anymore. It's all targeted to get to a one to one level. Is have I got that right? Yeah, that's that's right. And the in the abstract, like the impact is profound. The reason that only three to five hundred advertisers uh, participate uh, in or dominate the the existing TV market is data related. Um, they, 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 only that many companies can afford to spend so much money without real return on ad spend measurement. And if you look at paid search and social, they have 9 million advertisers. And the only difference is measurement. And that comes down to data. So the richness of data activates an entire economy that you know, generates trillions of dollars in economic activity and, and digital that is now moving to TV. So, and it's hundred percent distilled down to the ability to manage data um, and enabling app marketers with better measurement, which again is data is going to unlock all that value. So yeah. really exciting times for TV. Um, and the, and it's not like we're pioneering new ground. Like we've seen it before in digital. We know it can happen. It's going to happen. It's, it's well past the tipping point. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that makes perfect sense. I guess, What's the difference between those eras from a, when we talk about data? Um, and I guess obviously we've got accessibility. There's just more of it, all of that type of good stuff. But before you talked about, you know, Nielsen, that information was based on 15,000 households, which dictated the entire industry. What's different between like, why did that happen versus, you know, where we're at right now, if that makes sense? Well, I think back in the 1950s or 60s or 70s, that for you know much of that first era, it's all there was. That's the only information you had, and you could uh, you could debate whether or not Nielsen could have gone to 100,000 households to get better, more granular data, and you can debate it either way. I, I think um, I think then when cable companies sort of evolved, I think there was an opportunity to change measurement and that because they had so much more data and they just failed to use it for whatever reason. Uh, and I think the reason ultimately is because uh, it's easier to sell um, the idea of TV um, without getting into the data behind it. Um, it's just an easier sales process. Uh, and I don't think cable companies or any, anyone else in the 70s, 80s, 90s, um, or all the way up until current day, I, I don't think they wanted to have that type of a conversation with a marketer. And, and that's sort of the, the, the legacy universe. Meanwhile, in parallel, starting in sort of the late 1990s, digital advertising evolved uh, quickly. And we've talked about that. But now there's, you know, there's 9 million advertisers that buy in a certain way. And that's very much performance oriented and data driven. 
So I think all that's happening here is, is the market is getting used to talking in terms of data and the buyers buy in terms of data where that wasn't true in TV. And now we're just, we're watching that evolve uh, before our very eyes. Um, so I think it's just really the tale of the, the legacy TV bumping into digital capabilities, um, ignoring them for as long as possible. And, <laughs> and now, uh, now it can't be ignored any longer. Because um, yeah. in fairness, in, 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 in 1990, uh, cable companies could have offered very data-driven TV products and they just didn't. So that was a miss. Um, and now it's out of their hands uh, because it's now we're talking about streaming and that's sort of over the top, really bypassing cable companies. Uh, and all that data now is, cap is, is, is capable of being harvested, structured, and applied to advertising without the intermediaries dictating it, the intermediaries being you know, the cable companies uh, yeah. or Nielsen. And I think that's, uh, and that's free to follow digital in its in every in every format and we're, we're we're seeing that play out yeah yeah is is there is there a kind of component to this which you know we speak about in the data world a lot right around data literacy and we just i think people now businesses people within those businesses the public in general right is just a lot more data savvy you know they they, they understand yeah. what I hate using the term, but the art of the possible is, right? You know, so we're just in a period of time where people, advertisers, for example, realize, well, if I've got these data points, then I can do my job much more efficiently, much better, which drives performance, right? Is there is there a that part of, of the of the kind of process basically? Yeah, I think I think that's a great point. And digital marketers are far more data literate um than than traditional I would say non digital marketers. So that sort of data awareness, that data um, capability, uh, literacy, as you put it, ha has grown tremendously. And then I also think there's this, there's this dimension of, uh, of incentives. Um, so the incentive for a marketer is to get return. Um, those uh, return on ad spend, uh, especially digital marketers. So they're going to migrate towards platforms that offer that capability and that, that competence. Um, which of course are data driven. Um, I think what's interesting now is, and by the way, the incentive for legacy TV was to was to do exactly what they were doing since the 1950s because it's generating a massive, you know, massive amount of advertising spend. It didn't really require a lot of data. I mean, 15,000 households is not that much data, and it worked. Um, now, I, I think because the digital market is so much bigger than television, I think whether it's cable companies or broadcasters. I think they're now the incentives are clear that if they can talk, if they can increase their data competency or literacy to your to your use your word, there's a massive amount of dollars that could be ported over to TV. So the incentive now is very clear that that they need to move in that direction. And I think we're seeing that with, you know, all the streaming services. Many of them are broadcasters, you know, traditional broadcast. TV companies that are moving to digital and embracing a data first sales process because there's so much money on the other side of, 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 of the coin, the digital side of coin, that if they can, if they can talk that language and talk performance, they can unlock literally tens of billions of dollars from, from digital first marketers. Yeah. Yeah. And that makes, makes perfect sense. I guess you, you started to creep into the realms there of kind of the, 
the comparison between TV advertising and the traditional kind of search and social world. I know that you believe that, you know, um, TV is going to outperform search and social. Tell us kind of, you, talk us through that. Why, how, what, what's your, what's your thoughts? So I, I think it comes down to um, scale and uh, impact and measurability. Um, so search, for example, while it's a you know, 50, 60, $70 billion global industry, it's actually from a consumer behavior point of view, it really, at last stat I looked at, and these are rough stats, let's say it's eight to 10% of online behavior is search related. So it's actually, and, and within that, you've got 9 million advertisers sharing the pie. So the scale of any given keyword search is actually fairly limited, mm. um, it, but it's so powerful. And that's why it's so dominant in terms of dollars generated. Um, Facebook has more scale, uh, and, and I would say it's more like TV, but TV, it's got connected TV now, it's, you know, it's 95 million households in the US. Uh, Samsung did a study that across their 50 million TVs in the US that said 63% of all TV viewing time in the US is now on streaming services. So it's a massive audience. Um, so that's one thing, there's enough scale there. Then two, it, it comes down to the format. Um, so going back to the sight, sound and motion, TV is just unique. And there's tons of studies. If you do a Google search on, you know, the recall of TV ads or the impact of TV ads, it's, it's, you know, two to one, three to one versus digital. And if just anecdotally, I, I'm sitting here trying to remember an ad I've seen on, on Facebook and I, I literally can't do it or, or Instagram can't do it. Um, where TV, that's just not the case. The recall is much, much better. So you've got unique format and generally it's the most important screen in everyone's house. And if you think about user modality, you're not, I mean, maybe a little bit ADD, but generally you're watching TV with a phone in your hand or a, a tablet in your hand. And when the TV is on and you're in, in immersed in it, you're, you're focused. Um, and that focus allows for messages to get in and sort of sear into the brain and that generates recall. So I think that unique form factor is really, really important. So now you've got massive scale, unique, form factor, you know, via the most important screen in our lives. And then now measurability. So now you can measure the impact of, of an ad, you know, of a TV ad on, you know, on, on website traffic sales, even footfall traffic. An example, when we were first starting, we, um, it's sort of a long story, but we ended up getting a test with a, uh, with a home and garden store out of Portland, Oregon. Um, and, uh, it was a, it was a small test, and this is again, it's kind of a long winding road how this happened. But um, it over a given weekend, they spent five hundred dollars on our platform to market the home and garden store, and it generated eight hundred clicks uh, to their website in that three day period. And I was I was taken aback because first of all, I would have never thought it could work for a non digital kind of uh, for you know, brick and mortar store um, that had a website, uh, and two, it would have never spent the time to, to work with a marketer on a $500 budget, but I was taken <laughs> aback by the results. Um, and it's, if you compare the average cost per website visitor uh, on TV, uh, and again, this is measured one-to-one -one deterministically, um, this is not panel-based, uh, versus search or social, it's about 70% of the cost of Google. Um, and with far more scale, they can't drive, you know, 
they can't drive 800 clicks in a given weekend on Google being a garden store. So now you've got, and, and we were astonished, and we've seen that play out now over and over and over again from, you know, from traditional, not just flower stores, but, you know, car dealerships, um, universities, you kind of name it. So I, it, it woke me up and I hadn't seen that type of instantaneous impact since the early days of paid search. Like programmatic display advertising doesn't do that. Uh, TV does. It was a big wake up aha moment for us. And we've seen it play out over and over and over again, not just in digital first, but also in some of the local markets we're experimenting with. So again, I think it comes down to uh, scale of audience, the format, so the form factor of the how you're delivering the message, sight, sound, motion, emotion, and then measurability. And today, connected TV platforms like ours, we can do that. We can measure it really well. So now you've got the trifecta, and it's just about getting educating advertisers and scaling the business. Yeah, it seems like it's it's almost leveling the playing field a little bit right because i guess you know if you think about prime time tv traditionally it's dominated by big global brands that have got a lot of money to spend and i'm not saying they're not too fussed about the return but it's not that important to them whereas you know your your example around the 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 garden center in portland oregon well they've not got a big budget to spend and it is all about outcomes, right? So it's kind of, it seems like it's leveled the playing field a little bit to get to, you know, so, so that it's, it's just possible for these types of businesses to do that now. Uh, absolutely. And it um, it's possible today and it will, and, and as the industry evolves or, you know, things like uh, barriers, like creative development, there are now um, platforms that you can go and get a TV quality, you know, ad built, you know, for, $1,500 or, you know, even a, an agency quality one done for five, six, $7,000. That wasn't true just 10 years ago. You'd have to spend 50 to 100,000 or more to get that level of quality. So all these sort of enabling technologies from the connected TV itself uh, to measurement platforms and media activation platforms like ours to creative development, uh, it's all shifting. So I, I think... Hmm five years or even two and a half years, um, the industry is going to be radically different with, you know, with a rich variety of, of, of ads by, you know, a diverse set of millions of advertisers instead of hundreds, uh, you know, executing performance oriented, you know, measurable TV campaigns. And, and that's going to do a bunch of things. It's going to put a lot more dollars into the TV ecosystem, which will fuel more and better content development by the studios and streaming services and apps. Um, and that will ultimately deliver a better user experience for, for, for consumers. We can choose, you know, among better and more uh, content and uh, we'll also get more relevant and interesting ads. I, I was, you know, watching, watching a, a playoff baseball game and I, I had to sit through the same Geico commercial seven times. Um, and, <laughs> you know, I, I think it would be a better user experience if we had more diversity and more, you know, better targeted, more relevant ads uh, in TV, which we see, we see in Facebook. We just don't remember them because you see an ad squeezed in a bunch of other things and, and you're in an ADD modality and not a focus modality like you are when you watch TV. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a really, really interesting point. Um, so I think it's fair to say then 
um, Jason, that you know, data has effectively started to help disrupt and innovate the TV advertising sector as we as we know it. So talk us through the actual intricacies of that in terms of how that's worked. You know, the, the the role that data plays in tying all of this together. Then, from a you know, from a high level perspective. Yeah. So, um, so when a TV, when a connected TV is connected to the internet, it's sitting on IP or internet protocols. Um, and, and contents delivered over those pipes, uh, just like your laptop, just like your tablet. So when we deliver an ad to a, a connected TV, you know, we get certain signals back. You know, one is we uh, either get an IP cohort or we get an IP address. Um, two is we get device IDs, just, and this is just like any other digital marketing. Um, so we know, we know where an ad was delivered. Uh, then we can also do through device graphing partnerships, we can, we can, we can identify other, other devices in that same household. So we get basically a household cohort. And the way we think about that cohort is this cohort has been exposed to an ad. Um, And then we, we work with the marketer to instrument their website um, or their app download to uh, share information with us. So we can connect the dots between the ad exposure at the household cohort level and identify if one of those devices from that household comes to the website uh, after seeing the ad. And that's foundationally what we do. And we do that within our own silo, if you will, the TV silo. And then we work with, um, because you can't click on a TV, likely the user picked up their phone and did a type in traffic to, let's say it's Domino's Pizza. Uh, Let's say they probably picked up their phone, did a Google search for Domino's Pizza and clicked an ad. Um, so from the marketer point of view, it looks like the, the, the traffic came from Google, but really it started with the TV ad. So the way to reconcile that is to basically take our data and put it into an attribution measurement platform like Google Analytics. And there's, t- there's several of these that, w- that we work with. So the marketer can see ad exposure, Google search, sale. So they know now that TV belongs in the attribution sort of uh, and formula, um, which is very different than how paid searches and social has trained the entire market, which is last click is all the, the only thing that matters, which is a blunt instrument. And from a data point of view, it's just not accurate or true because most people take an action after seeing, you know, have multiple touch points with advertising. In our case, we just want to make sure that TV is in the formula. Um, and if it, you know, if you see it, TV ad for Domino's, you click on a Google search and then you buy a pizza, TV inspired that search and it belonged and it probably should be weighted more than Google. So developing that methodology is very data-driven um, and will unlock, I think, massive amounts of spends when, when marketers get their head around it. So part of what we're doing is educating the market to think about data differently as it relates to TV's place in the consumer journey and how it should be sort of weighted from a credit point of view. And that's 100% data-driven. You cannot tell that story without showing them the raw data completely transparently. And we can't, for example, say TV ad gets all the credit when it it, it could be just what I said. They went through Google. So there is a multi-touch attribution sort of problem to solve there um, or equation to develop. And that, again, is driven by data. Just thinking out loud here, but I, I know obviously the market that you serve isn't traditionally those big multinationals, which you know normally use traditional advertising. But is there anything to stop those players 
coming to the forefront and dominating that connected TV market also out of interest? No, I, the the only, well, a couple of responses. There's nothing stopping them at all other than sort of the entrenched industrial complex around traditional TV advertising. Um, when you, for example, when you go talk to 90% of the agencies that represent those 500 brands, it's a different language. They don't, they don't even think about results. So there's a huge barrier there. And it's not just their thought process, it's their compensation structures. It's all, all of it is built around reach frequency against a target demo. Um, so, so you have to, the brand now the brands, nobody's stupid. These are all smart people. So they're going to see that there's a lot of capabilities now possible in TV that they're not taking advantage of. So they will come find companies like us um, versus us trying to go sell their agencies. And they, you know, that, that's just not going to happen. So at least that's my point of view. Um, and the second thing that we can't lose track of is the linear audiences are shrinking. Like I said, 63% of all time viewing in the US is on streaming services. So if I'm Ford, I've lost 60% of my linear audience. Uh, I can't reach them anymore. So out of desperation, if nothing else, I'm going to have to come to connected TV and reach those consumers uh, on TV on their, on their on their streaming services. Um, and as I'm doing that, I'm going to learn all the capabilities around connected TV. So it it's going to happen. I I think linear TV is it's it's over. It's just a question of is it two years or is it five? But we're already at sixty three percent. And and by the way, side note on data. Uh, Nielsen came out and said it's more like 25% on, on their data. And, you know, based on some panel, we're um, the 63% is based on 50 million connected TVs. You know, it's a huge panel. That's not, I'm going to go with that one. Just that's where the, that's where the, <laughs> the juice is. So I believe that data. And I think it's going to get to 80, 90% over the next five years as streaming services get better. Uh, streaming services have more content and consumer choices, you know, exploding in that area, more ad supported services come out that make it cheaper than, than, than quote unquote, traditional linear. That's, that's my sense of it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's something that, you know, someone that isn't in this space like myself would think about all that often, but it makes perfect sense, right? You know, I think if you think about our family here in this household, you know, everything, pretty much everything that we watch is on connected TV. You know, it's, it's Netflix. The kids are watching stuff on YouTube or some of the apps that are on, you know, the connected TV or whatever the case may be. Even then, when you think about programs that you are watching that in your mind, you're thinking, yeah, I'm watching this on TV. You're actually not because you're watching it on demand through connected TV. Right. So it, it make it makes complete sense. I guess, are there other businesses out there doing what you're doing? Is there competition for, for this or are you kind of at the, the forefront of, of leading this kind of capability? Um, I, I think there's a few uh, less than five um, that yeah. are, are doing this. And we're the only ones that are taking sort of the Facebook buying console approach, meaning over time, I, I believe, because I've lived it and seen it, I believe advertisers, once they know this is a scalable, effective, measurable channel, they'll want to bring it in-house and, and run it themselves versus working with an agency. So the other four, the other four companies in the in the space uh, are generally managed service agencies. Um, or if you're uh, you know, like Roku, they have sort of a hybrid, but 
uh, in the case of Roku, they, or Samsung for that matter, they don't focus on outcomes. Uh, if you go and do a self-serve on, on Samsung or Hulu, it's all about reach and, you know, reach and frequency and high CPMs. It's not about outcomes. So I would say there's other people, other companies dancing around this area. I think we're really unique in our platform as self-managed um, and uh, you know, 100% focused on performance. And uh, so I think we have a bit of a head start, but of course, you know, nothing stays still in the world. There'll be competitors. Yeah. 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 That makes, that makes sense. So, I mean, it sounds like you guys are focusing on focusing on the data to focus on the output resulting in performance. Whereas maybe the competition at this point in time is just trying to effectively take what they've done in other mediums and bring it to connected TV in a similar sort of methodology. Yeah. Or or the ones that are performance oriented, they, they want to do it as an agency, as kind of a performance agency. Right. And that's very different than handing the keys to a platform over to the, to the platform, to the, uh, you know, the, the garden store marketer in Portland, Oregon, or to Ford. Uh, Hey, you know, TV works. This is a buying console, uh, buying and measurement console, just like Google or Facebook have at it all yours, no minimum spend. Uh, and all the data and attribution is built in. Hmm, so I think those are very different value propositions. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Makes makes sense. So I know obviously we've, we've benefits to businesses for doing this are obviously really obvious, I think. But I guess when you think about some of the tangible wins that you've seen, and again, you know, we don't need to know client names or numbers or, or specifics, but are there anything that stands out in terms of, you know, the real wins, the use cases that have done really well, like tangible benefits? Yeah, it, it ranges the spectrum. So our thesis going in, as I've discussed, is going after the larger uh, performance-oriented digital-first marketers. So generally speaking, that's like direct-to-consumer companies uh, and uh, gaming companies or app download companies. And we've tested and scaled across all three of those categories with astonishing results. Um on a cost, let's say on a, for gaming companies, our cost per install is you know forty percent of their target, meaning we're we're coming in really really low um, on a on a cost per install basis. On a direct to consumer, they're much more focused on ROAS. So anything sort of for, it depends on the price point of the product, but anything above a you know some companies if you can get to one point one for the initial you know the initial seven days. On ROAS, then they'll then they'll scale, and we're we've crushed that. Um, I would say in eighty percent of the cases, sometimes if it's a lower price point, like a twenty dollar teeth whitening product, it gets hard. Um, but for anything that's you know got a decent price point to it, the numbers really work well. Um, and then I would say the last uh, category would be the local, and we don't do that through our own sales teams because it's just too expensive. But we do have partnerships where people are, uh, sales teams are selling uh, TV scientific um, to local car dealers or, you know, universities or you name it. And it's, that's been really, really effective. And I, you know, on a cost per website visitor basis or a cost, we even do footfall, which is unfortunately that's panel-based just from technical limitations, but it's been incredibly effective. So, um, so far so good. Now the caveat there is we've got, you know, 60 customers and we've been in business you know, live, we launched in May. So it's still early, but we are scaling across those categories. Nice. Nice. Okay. So as we look to wrap this up then, Jason, um, I'm going to ask for your prediction. So 
where do you see this going? Where's TV advertising as a sector going in the future, both in terms of traditional connected and, and what, you know, for the connected piece, obviously that's that's the future, right? Where, where, where's this going to get to, do you think? I, I think over the three-year horizon, there will be uh, hundreds of thousands of large digital-first marketers moving into connected TV. Um, now, there's 9 million of these marketers, I, I think, so the biggest ones will go first. And that's probably a two and a half, three year kind of uh, journey. And that would get, you know, half, it, w- it would pump billions of dollars into the connected TV universe. Over the f- five to 70 horizon, I think it's going to be a million or more advertisers that never did TV before and focused on search and social are going to move to connected TV. And if you think about the impact of a million new advertisers in an industry that is dominated by three to 500, it's going to, a lot of change is going to happen. Um, interestingly, you know, one thing that I, people ask me is what's going to happen, you know, to, to CPMs, the price of TV ads, because they're so expensive in connected TV, you know, Roku is $35 average clearing price. And I think trade desk is closer to 25. And the answer I think is, is it's going to matter a lot less um, I, because marketers are not going to measure their TV efficacy based on how much CPM they pay or what CPM they pay, they're going to measure based on return on ad spend. So an example, in the early days of paid search, we sold paid clicks for a penny. And I remember it went to 10 cents as a minimum and people freaked out. Um, Those same clicks are now selling for $15. Um, And no one really cares because these marketers, so long as for every hundred dollars they spend, they make 120, they're fine. So my prediction is that, you know, within, within the short term, uh, we're going to look back at $25 CPMs and with nostalgic eyes, we're, we're going to say, wow, remember the days when CPMs were only $25. Mm-hmm. And that sounds egregious and outrageous, but I think it's true because marketers won't care. The only one that cares about the $25 CPM being expensive are the ones that can't measure results. Um, so, and they're going to get drowned out by the ones that do measure results. And again, the whole premise comes down to, do you believe TV advertising is effective? And, you know, I, I firmly believe it is, and we've got the data to support that. Do you think that will drive more businesses to the consumer TV landscape in terms of more of these connected TV platforms popping up? Do you think there'll be more of those develop? Yeah, we're already seeing that. I think, you know, Comcast announced, they're going to get into the TV OEM business, you know, manufacturing TVs for retail sale. I, I think you can expect to see, and maybe Amazon's already announced it. Uh, so yeah, I think it's going to, it's going to have all kinds of crazy second order impacts um, of people getting into the TV industry when traditionally, you know, the TV OEM business is a very low margin, non-sexy business. And now all of a sudden it's the center of the universe. So, um, so it, it's, and that's just one change. There's going to be tons more changes coming. Well, Jason, look, thank you very much for coming on the show. It's been a fascinating conversation. Um, I guess before we let you go, if anyone wants to reach out to you, they're interested to kind of discuss what they've heard today, interested in, you know, what you guys can do as a business to help support them, what's the best way for them to reach you? Uh, They can go to the website. It's uh, tvscientific.com or they can email me at jason at tvscientific.com. Perfect. All right. Well, Jason, look, thank you very much for coming on the show. It's been an absolute pleasure and yeah, looking forward to seeing how your journey unfolds. We'll speak to you soon. Thank you for having me. 
that's it for this episode of Driven by Data, the podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. I'll be back next week speaking with another thought leader from the world of data and analytics. Until then, please follow our Bishon Group on social media if you've not already done so, where you'll be able to subscribe and therefore be made aware of the podcasts as they arrive. And please share, like and leave reviews so that more people from our industry get to hear and benefit from these two. If you've got any questions or you want to suggest ideas for topics or potential guests, then please feel free to reach out to me. Thanks for listening and I'll be back next week.